Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. On this episode, we move over to the modified ranks and talk to a driver who's had a ton of success, including modified nationals wins, plus plenty of big local and regional wins, and he's regularly near the top of the UMP modified national point standings. He also made a name for himself earlier in 2020, winning several of the World of Outlaws iRacing events across CBS Sports Network, Fox Sports 1, and Dirt Vision. I'm talking, of course, about Mike McKinney. Besides his successful modified career to this point, Mike has also been this season into some super late model racing and has already made a few starts. We talk about all of this covering a lot of ground and I hope you enjoy this chat. Here's my conversation with Mike McKinney. Mike McKinney, do we, do we call you modified standout? Do we call you future late model standout? Like what do we call you at this point? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take whatever I can get at this point. So so give me an idea about what, what you're up to right now. Uh, you know, those of you who or th- those out there who, who know who you are, know you're kind of right in the middle of, of summer national stuff going on right now. But but where are you right now and, and kind of what's your schedule looking like uh, right now? Yeah, man, we've been uh, going crazy. Uh, we've pretty much been racing uh, every dang day for the last, uh, I couldn't tell you how many past weeks. So it's been pretty crazy just uh, me and dad going up and down the road and trying to uh you know do as much work as we can to, to make to the next track and perform and uh, keep going so uh actually you know there's there's two phases to this whole summer national schedule this year you know normally it's the the 28 races in 32 days but um you know kind of with the craziness of this year and all the covid stuff uh they were able to break it up into two phases uh so that you know this past weekend over at kokomo um you know we didn't get to finish the weekend due to the rain but that was the, the end of the first phase for us and now we actually have a week-long break so there's a uh, there's no races this whole week, and then we kick off uh, next Monday at East Moline, uh, go Tuesday at uh, Sycamore, Illinois, Fairbury, Wednesday, and then, uh, you know, we're kind of right back in it again with, with the rest of the week, and uh, so we're, kind of, we're off this weekend with, uh, with Modified, but uh, as of right now, I plan on going to uh, Cedar Lake this weekend with, uh, with the late model for the USA Nationals, so uh, that'll be really cool. I'm going to head up there in a couple of days. Uh, the late model guys are getting her all ready right now. So right now we're kind of just uh, hanging out, had a head off day here and kind of getting things washed up. And uh, we got to do a motor swap in the modified some point this week. It's uh, the motor we've had. I've kind of expected it to blow up like a month ago now, but it's still, uh, still plugging away. So finally got a, finally got a free, you know, free day to go up to Wisconsin where a motor builder is and pick up a motor. So we'll drop that in this week. And uh, you know, we were kind of ready uh, Sunday at Kokomo. We kind of had all of our stuff, ready to roll for that feature there and uh, you know the rain came in and now that's postponed so all our stuff's kind of ready to go so we'll just uh, like I said go drop that motor in kind of do some uh, nut and bolt check and uh, jump back on tour. Give me an idea about like when you go run summer nationals like you haven't run have you run all of the races before like you haven't run all of the races this season right? Right no I mean for, for so for, for the modifies they take your top eight nights for the points. Okay. Uh, late models every single night counts. For, for late models so you know those guys chasing the championship they pretty much have to show up to every single one so we could show up to every single one if we wanted to but uh you know at the end of the day they're only gonna take your, your best eight nights so really we we tend to try and go to the tracks that make sense for us to go to you know i i like a lot of racetracks so we definitely show up to all the ones that are kind of feasible to show up to and ones we feel like we can uh, you know maximize our opportunity with and try and get a win or get the most points so um you know we've we've only missed uh you know so far this year we've only missed a couple so i mean there's a, there's not too many racetracks i don't like so we've hit a lot of them uh, i know i missed uh, like highland and tri-city and uh, those ones out in missouri uh, the modifieds weren't on the schedule for so we hit a big chunk of them. I think uh, kind of when we followed this deal the first time in 2018, that we ended up around like 18 of them. So we uh, we do quite a lot, and uh, you know try and maximize those best eight nights. You know if you can get eight wins, uh, you know you're sitting pretty good. So 
uh, yeah, we try and do uh, quite a bit. And, you know, right now we're, we're kind of in the battle with, uh, you know, at this point still. So we're going to keep going uh, till the end here. What's it look like when you're out there, you know, on a night to night basis? It, it seems like it's a who's who of modified racing. And, you know, obviously Mike Harrison's won a ton of these things. Hoffman's been so good lately. You know, what's it like having to battle night in and night out with these guys, to, you know, to try to win a championship like that? Yeah, no, it's tough. Uh, you know, for this UMP modified stuff, this is the the premier series, you know, of the whole season. So, um, you know, there's a lot of publicity behind it. Um, you know, obviously all, all these races are streamed on Dirt Vision in the middle of the week. So there's tons of eyes on it. It's a, it's a really, uh, you know, it's a, it's a feather in the hat to, to go win, a, you know, one of these races, let alone a championship. And uh, yeah, it's tough, you know, because all, all these guys, we know this is the this is the big deal throughout the summer and we all try to come and win. Obviously, Harrison's won it, I don't know, a hundred times. And, you know, Nick's won it the last Nick's got two of them now and he's, uh, you know, off to a hot start this year. So, um, you know, I, I kind of thrive on racing competition. That's the only thing that makes you better. And, uh, you know, the beauty of this deal is we're racing every day. Um, you know, kind of your, your weekly racer will go race Friday, Saturday, then they got a, a whole week to think about, you know, what they did wrong or what adjustments they got to make. And, you know, for us, we load up head of the next track and boom, you know, it's already the next weekend for us, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we're ready to, to, you know, to make new adjustments and start a new night. So it's a, it's a really great way to, to improve your program racing every single day. And I think it's uh, definitely excelled us to get where we're at throughout the years. Uh, for you, you know, obviously being a modified guy, where you're kind of from in that kind of Indiana, you know, Illinois, like there's a ton of different racing going on. And there's a ton of, ton of different tracks, a ton of different car types. Why did you choose to go modified racing when you were younger? Uh, you know, I, I started out in the UMP street stock ranks and uh, I ran that for three years. Uh, we were fortunate enough to win a, a UMP national title my in uh, my third year in 2012. And uh, kind of to, you know, I think the, the dream for everybody is kind of go the late model route and, you know, kind of that next step from the from the street socks is the UMP modifieds. Um, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, Nick Hoffman's my best friend for a really, really long time. And that same year, uh, you know, I was going to transition out from the modifieds to the, or from the street socks to the modifieds. He was starting his uh, elite chassis company. So I've been there with him from the start and, you know, I was, uh, they were helping him, uh, you know, create the name and create the logo and everything. So it just happened to so be he was starting his chassis company in the same year. I was looking to move out of street stock. So um, having that connection made it, you know, that much easier to, um, you know, move to modifieds. And, you know, he helped us out a ton and still does to this day. So kind of had that connection and, uh, you know, tech support from him made that jump a whole lot easier. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of now dipping my toes into the late model stuff. And uh, hopefully that's something we can uh, continue to do. Yeah, I wanted to ask you kind of about that transition from modifieds into late models. What can you take from driving a modified into driving a late model? Yeah, definitely a lot. You know, uh, the the modifieds, uh, you know, almost have the, you know, don't have a whole lot less horsepower compared to that uh, late model and they're on uh, half the tire size. So uh, I kind of tell people that the modifieds like, uh, you know, driving on ice compared to that late model. The late model's got double the tire and just a little bit more horsepower too. You can really, uh, you know, you're kind of used to tiptoeing around in the modified where you jump in that late model and it uh, balls out, you know, all night long. So I think uh, you see a lot of uh, guys who have succeeded in the modifieds do really well in the late models. Uh, you know, you take Ricky Thornton Jr., who's, uh, you know, he's, he's on fire right now and anything he jumps in, he's been a lifelong modified guy. There's been so many, um, you know, Kyle Bronson, he was, a, he was a mod guy for a long time. There's so many modified guys that have jumped in the late models and had success. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping I can turn into one of those guys someday. One of the things, you know, I worked at World Racing Group for a really long time, and, and one of my big projects was the kind of online dirt car point system um, and, and getting that up and running for you guys. One of the things that I was always curious about is, is you know, with a series like that taking only a certain amount of finishes, how do you kind of maximize where you're going to go race and, and how often you race? Like, do you, do you have those thoughts in mind, or do you just kind of go race and, and let the rest of it kind of shake out on its own? 
Yeah, just uh, it kind of depends on how your season is going. You know, if if, if uh, you know if you're running well and winning a whole bunch of races, it's really easy to tell yourself, "Hey, we need to go here, go there, and keep racing." You know, and I feel like uh, you know I'm kind of going to go race uh, somewhere on the weekends, no matter what, because I'm not just going to sit at the house. You know, so um, you know, there's a lot of times where it kind of just uh, you, you go run your races and it plays out how it plays out, but. Um, you know, I feel like uh, everyone kind of we kind of eyeball it, you know, every every other week or so to see where you're sitting, you know, especially for the national points, um, you know, and then it kind of gets down to the last month or so. And you see, hey, we got a shot at winning a you know twenty thousand dollar championship for, for UMP national points. We better go get our races in. And and then, uh, you know, a lot of that, too, with national points and summer national points comes down to, to bonus points. Um, you know, so we get seventy five points for a win. Then it's one point for every car over 25, so you can get a max uh, to a max of 30 cars. So if you get you win a race with 30 cars, you're gonna get 80 points that night. So towards the end of the year, when we're all kind of chasing points, uh, we'll try and find tracks or bigger events that we know we're gonna have higher car counts, so we can get those bonus points. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, race chasing, so to speak, at the end of the year to kind of maximize your points, maximize maximize your wins, and uh, you know, kind of make uh, your whole year worth of traveling worth it. Kind of back on the late model stuff, you know, what does this opportunity for you look like this year for the late model? You know, who are you driving for and, and kind of what do you want to, you know, what races are you trying to hit this year? And I know, I know you mentioned maybe Cedar Lake this weekend, but what else are you kind of looking at? Yeah, so I got an opportunity with uh, Doug Curlis from CW Trucking to drive his, uh, you know, his brand new XR1 uh, late model. Um, you know, we've kind of been off to a slow start this year. I ran uh, a handful of races, at least five races, ran a Ward Atlas show um lucas oil and Moray show and a couple other shows uh, we've kind of like i said had a slow start we've been battling some mission engine issues um so i haven't raced like about the last month in it because we've been trying to uh you know sort out a motor and uh so we finally got that settled out and i think the plan here is to go to go to cedar lake and uh you know test the waters up there um you know it's a super good opportunity for me it's a, definitely a you know a dream of mine to go super late model racing full-time one day and uh, kind of be one of those top guys that's a threat to win races so like i said we're kind of off to a slow start and uh you know it's, it's kind of been a crazy year with scheduling we had a big long schedule planned out and then we had some engine issues and then uh you know a lot of those races we had scheduled out have obviously been, uh, you know, canceled due to, to everything that's been going on this year. So, um, you know, hopefully we're kind of just uh, kind of getting the ball rolling this year. Then hopefully, you know, next year if things are kind of back to normal, we can kind of tackle that full time and kind of do what we had planned this year. And so I think we're just kind of right now maybe prepping ourselves for next year. And, um, you know, I'm just it, – it's a great opportunity for me. It's something I'm trying to take uh, full advantage of. I'm taking it super seriously and hoping to, hoping to do something with it for sure. With so much late model racing available to you and, and you know, obviously between the, the, the local stuff and the, and the two national tours and summer nationals, how are you going to decide going forward, like, where you're going to race, who you're going to race with? It just seems like there's so much to do on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's hard, it's, especially right now. You know, I, I, I love doing the modified stuff and, you know – Truthfully, with the modified stuff, you know, I know I'm a threat to win pretty much everywhere we go, and I have a good shot of making some money. And, uh, you know, I know the late model stuff, I'm going to get my butt kicked for a while, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I got my butt kicked for a while when I moved into the modified class, and uh, now I feel like we're one of the, you know, the top teams in the country. So, um, you know, I, kind of with the modified stuff, too, I, I, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to go win because I feel like we can do that. And, you know, with, with the late model stuff, it's kind of taken me back uh, for a little bit anyways to having some fun, uh, you know, racing. You know, I think – my first ever race was a Ward Outlaw late model race at Davenport, Iowa, and I lined up right behind Scott Bloomquist, you know, and for me, I'm like, you know, there ain't no pressure there. This guy's going to smoke me, you know, for me, that, so I don't have a whole lot of fun modified race anymore because it's strictly business for me, you know, so the late model racing as now has, has become fun for me. It's allowed me to have fun going back to the racetrack, but, um, you know, obviously there's going to be a point where I feel like I, I hope to become competitive and it's going to stop being fun and that's going to turn into a job too. So, um, yeah, but there's races like crazy and it just, uh, 
kind of, you know, whatever, whatever's feasible to go to and whatever we feel like, uh, you know, we can compete and uh, get some wins. Who besides like somebody like Hoffman, are you able to kind of lean on to get advice or, you know, to ask questions to, and you know, whether that's in a modified or in a late model? To be honest, there, there isn't a whole lot of people. Uh, you know, we've kind of always been guys that, um, you know, me and my dad, it's just me and him everywhere we go. And we've always kind of, uh, stuck to ourselves and we kind of, you know, park in the corner and kind of mind our own business. But, uh, you know, the, you know, as far as the modified stuff, but, but the late model stuff, I've been kind of leaning on a lot of guys, um, you know, Brandon Shepard's been, you know, in my ear a lot about stuff, Tyler, uh, a lot of guys who are driving rocket cars that, you know, I've kind of tried a lot of stuff, um, and even driving, even driving cars too. I, you know, I feel like I've kind of gotten to the point in my career where I might be the guy where people are asking the, you know, info for. So, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to uh, meet a lot of people along the way you know I was just a, a kid in the street stock 16 years old who didn't know a single soul and now I feel like I know just about everybody in the pit area so it's uh, super cool to see where this is all taking me you know I'm definitely grateful for uh, everybody I've learned off of all the you know along the way and uh, who have gotten me uh, where I'm at right now. I wanted to ask you and, and you know remind me if I'm incorrect here but the Fairbury race I think it was what two weeks ago probably at this point with Alan Weiser where you guys were kind of swapping the lead back and forth the whole yeah. race throwing sliders what is it like when you kind of get into one of those battles with somebody like that where, you, where you're doing that like you know do you know that he's like kind of right off of your corner panel like I mean you know do you know exactly where he's at and, and you know what's it like kind of throw, you know jumping in and throwing those slider battles like that sure. Yeah, no, you know, all, all the fans come up to you and say, oh, man, that was the greatest race I've ever seen. It looked like so much fun. And, you know, from the driver's seat, you're like, man, that wasn't fun at all. You know, I've, I'd much rather be the guy who wins by a straightaway versus do that. But, you know, the fans love it. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's intense. I feel like every kind of sense goes out the window, and it's just all just instant reaction time, you know, especially that race we were, we were going through lap traffic like crazy. It was like Chicago traffic out there, and uh, we were just kind of going where everybody wasn't. And, yeah, it kind of came down to that last corner there. So, um, you know, you have to have the fastest, you know, your instincts are so fast. I don't think they become instincts anymore. It's just, uh, kind of, just kind of happens and you do whatever you can do to hang on. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely high pace. It gets the fans on their feet and it feels like more often than not, I'm kind of the guy in the mix of, of those finishes, uh, you know, puts on for a good show, sells a lot of t-shirts and kind of gets my name out there. But yeah, I'd much rather be the guy who's uh, out there winning by straight away. But, you know, going back and watching the videos, uh, you know, they're always really cool. When you have, uh, you know, multiple races kind of back-to-back nights, you know, what does car maintenance look like? What does that kind of workflow look like, you know, once you kind of get finished and then trying to get to the next place? And I know you keep mentioning your dad. Is it just you and your dad out there trying to get stuff done? Yeah, no, it's just uh, me and my dad every single night. We have uh, one buddy who kind of comes to the local races, but anytime we're traveling far away, it's just me and dad. And uh, that's how it's been, uh, you know, since I started when I was 16. So, um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, going the day to day just kind of depends on how rough of a night you had before. You know, I think that that night at Fairbury when I won that you're talking about, I blew the whole deck out. So, uh, you know, that makes for a long, uh, long night before you go to bed and a long morning kind of finishing all up. But, um, you know, the days where you're running good, uh, you don't have a whole lot of body work. You know, we're just uh, kind of just doing our nuts and bolts, getting tires ready. Um, you know, the motor we've, we've been running, uh, you know, it's been pissing oil like crazy. So we're always kind of putting oil back in that and trying to make sure that thing's going to make it to the next night. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, you're driving to the next track, you know, whether you're stopping out of Walmart or driving all the way to the pit area, the next track to sleep for a few hours. And we prefer to get up pretty early and uh, get stuff unloaded and get to work. So, um, you know, it's a lot of work with just me and dad, but that's how it's, uh, that's how it's always been. That's kind of how I like it. Um, you know, I know if, if he doesn't get to something, it's gotta, you know, I gotta do it and, and vice versa. So I've never been a guy that's kind of like, uh, like to have a whole lot of guys around just cause, uh, you know, I'm scared something's going to get missed and rightfully so there's not a whole lot of people I trust besides him. So, um, you know, it's been fun. 
Uh, you know, especially when you're running good, it makes it that much easier to get in the truck and drive a few hours. You know, you're all hyped up. But when you're running bad, it's a, it kind of question, you kind of question what you're doing. But, um, you know, fortunately, we've been running pretty good. and It's been making it easier to jump in the truck and, you know, unload early and get back to work. I think one of the things that probably a lot of people recognize you from, at least your name from, is is all of the iRacing stuff, you know, while everything was shut down. Um, you know, you kind of get an opportunity to jump in there and, and you know, kind of make a name for yourself on TV and, and you know, winning races and things like that. What was that kind of experience like? And, and how has your kind of, you know, how have you noticed your profile being raised now that you've been back at the racetrack? Yeah, no, it's, uh, that was super cool. It's definitely, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I don't think I, you know, necessarily really appreciate it right now, but I think, you know, five, 10 years, you know, down the road when you're worth thinking everything that's happened in 2020, you know, I think I'll be able to remember that time where, you know, remember we were racing, you know, a video game on national TV in front of all these people for all this money and stuff, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've, I don't think a whole lot of people know, but, but, you know, I wasn't a kid who raced up or gr- grown up racing go-karts and stuff like that. Um, you know, I jumped in a street sock when I was 16. And before that, all I did was sim race online. Uh, you know, sim racing is where I learned how to race, where I learned how to run a line, learn, learn how to throw slide jobs. A lot of stuff I do now is, you know, I learned to play in a video game. So it was super cool. You know, um, I've been, uh, you know, with UMP, I've been a world racing group competitor my whole life. So it was super cool. Uh, you know, the outlaws coming in there and putting that whole deal together was something I was obviously really comfortable with. and might have had a little bit of an advantage on guys, but um, you know, I was able to partner up with NOS Energy Drink and, uh, uh, you know, able to really promote, promote myself on uh, Fox Sports 1 and, and CBS and Dirt Vision and uh, really get my name out there. There's, there's guys uh, that come to me in the pit area now that said, you know, they watched all, all during quarantine. It's super cool. And, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, I've been selling a whole lot more T-shirts this year compared to any other year. So, um, you know, that definitely doesn't hurt. And, uh, you know, I was, I was super grateful to, to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, I think uh, – of all the bad stuff, you know, that's happening, uh, you know, kind of in life in 2020, I think, uh, you know, during this whole deal, I think that's definitely uh, one good thing I'll take away from it. While that was going on, how much prep were you doing? Uh, you know, we obviously heard crazy stories about guys kind of racing all day long and practicing. Were, were you one of those guys doing that? I was ready for it to be over. I was, <laughs> um, you know, I was, uh, you know, me and Logan Sevier, really good buddies. And, uh, you know, I, he, I was helping him quite a bit on the late model side and he was helping me on the sprint car side and, and, you know, really, um, you know, we, we were all sitting there playing iRacing regardless, whether that, whether that whole series was going to come in or not, we had nothing better to do. So when they, you know, they came in and you were racing for a thousand bucks a night, you know, we're, you know, we're racers, we're competitors and, oh, we were killing ourselves trying to build, you know, all, you got to build your setups. You, we were trying to figure out what track changes were going to come and, you know, we're doing literally nothing. The beauty of iRacing is if you want to sit there and make a million laps a day, you can, you know, in the real world, you don't get any practice. So, you know, best believe we were sitting there turning a million laps a day, trying to find every single quirk to go fast and, you know, kind of get the max exposure and, you know, go, go make some money. So, um, you know, we were killing ourselves for sure. I was, uh, when they said it was that, you know, they announced, you know, the last race was the last race. I wasn't complaining. And, you know, I felt like I got everything out of it. I could, but, um, you know, I'm super grateful for world racing group and the outlaws for doing that. It was, uh, it sure was a lot of fun. We got to see kind of little bits and pieces of it. You know, Dirt Vision would put out those kind of hot mic pieces, but like how much shit talking was actually going on while you guys were racing each other? Yeah, I know it was cool. You know, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, you know, a lot of us were sim racers before, then you take a lot of the regular outlaw guys who who have never been on there in their life, you know. So, uh, you know, you, you get, you know, we were racing with Scott and, you know, Brand Shepherds on there. Then you go to the sprint car side with Gravel and, you know, whoever else. And it was kind of cool to, to see what, you know, what opinions they had and, um, you know, so I think a lot of the sim racers who had, had some experience were kind of giving shit to the, to the real world guys who couldn't really figure it out. And, 
once the real world guys started figuring out, they started getting a little cocky and started fighting back. So, uh, you know, it was kind of, it was pretty cool to, to see the guys who had some experience on there, you know, go up with the, the real world guys. And, uh, you know, I commend those real world guys for sitting down and figuring out, um, you know, especially a guy like Scott Bloomquist. Uh, you know, I thought that was, you know, I feel like you never expect a guy like him to jump on a video game and, and and go do it. And then, uh, he actually, I'm pretty close with, uh, Cody summer who, who's run his team now. And they actually had me come down to his shop after the, you know, the first or second race. And I went down to Mooresville and, uh, went to a shop and kind of showed him some pointers and turned a bunch of laughs with him. And, uh, you know, spent a, spent a weekend at a shop helping him learn iRacing and he was all about it. So it's stuff like that. Super cool. It kind of brought us all together there for a few months and uh, brought a lot of publicity to us, the racers and, and the outlaws as well. And kind of, it kind of all hyped them up to, to go back real world racing. So I think it was a, a super good, uh, good deal for the outlaws. And I'm, uh, you know, very fortunate they did it. Is there, you know, obviously being somebody like yourself, who's done as much sim racing as you can is it, how much can you take from that over to the real world? And like, you know, with you getting ready to kind of do more late model stuff, it, you know, can you jump on there and learn things in the late model and I racing that you can then take to the racetrack? You know, right, right as of now, you know, since I have so much real world experience, there's not much more I can take away from it than I already have. But like I said, I didn't grow up racing go-karts. Um, I, I feel like everything you learn, you can learn running a go-kart, you can learn on iRacing or any other sim racing platform. You know, I learned, uh, it's, it's all about just learning your kind of race etiquette. Um, you know, I, I literally learned how to throw slide jobs on there and I, I kind of uh, test myself to, I, I don't get caught up in many wrecks and I feel like, you know, on sim racing, there's more wrecks than ever. So it kind of teaches you to, to, to look past, uh, look past your nose, look past the, look to the next corner and, and dodge wrecks, dodge traffic. Um, yeah, just learning your race craft, learn how to give guys room. Uh, you know, there's a lot of throttle control involved as well. So I feel like everything you can uh, learn at a young age or through a go-kart or quarter midget or what have you can definitely be done through sim racing. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm a testament to that. And uh, I've been fortunate to have a, a lot of success on sim racing. And I feel like, uh, you know, I, I definitely credit a lot to what I've been able to do in the real world. I want to kind of ask you a little bit kind of about the business of modified racing. And, and I feel like you kind of have one of the more recognizable cars out there. And I, I don't know if it's just because you've had a similar paint scheme for, for kind of a couple of years, but you know, what's it like trying to approach companies to try to support you? And, and, you know, you, you've got like the dirt track and app and, and, you know, kind of some, some decent names behind you and, and, you know, the NOS stuff, you know, you're wearing your NOS sweatshirt right now. Um, you know, is it difficult to sell the modified stuff to, 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 to companies or, or, you know, has it become easier or, you know, what's that kind of look like? I think it's definitely become easier over the years. I think we've uh, definitely started to get a lot more publicity, um, you know, and the competition has been thriving. I feel like, you know, probably back, you know, probably 20 years ago, everybody would see the modified class and kind of write them off as, uh, you know, kind of like a street stock class or something. But, um, you know, we've been having such high profile races the last, you know, I'd say five years or so. And, um, you know, a lot of big names have come out of modified racing into late model racing. And uh, so I think we're, we've been getting a whole lot more respect. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough, you know, like I kind of said earlier, I started out as a, a kid in a street sock who didn't know a single soul. And, uh, you know, now I've, we've been able to partner with so many people and have uh, support with so many great people. And, uh, you know, we've all jumped on board and supported our program. And, you know, I've never been a, you know, I've never really been a big asker. You know, I've never really been the guy that's kind of go up to people and, and heck them to, you know, throw some money and get a logo on our car. And been kind of fortunate enough that a lot of people have come our, come our, come on our, uh, come our way and, you know, wanted to be a part of our program. So I'm super fortunate of that. And, uh, you know, I've always kind of, had a knack for like the, for the marketing side of the sport. And I try and do, uh, do as much for our sponsors as I can uh, on social media and, and stuff like that. So it's something that's, uh, you know, I take a lot of pride of, you know, representing all these people and, uh, I try and do, uh, what I can for them. 
It, you know, the, the UMP modified class is, is always one of the biggest classes. And, it, you know, one of the things that, you know, doing the point system like I did, you know, there's a thousand cars that, you know, will attempt a UMP modified show over the course of a year. What is it about that platform that is, is so appealing to racers? And, and you know, kind of give me what's like the UMP modified sales pitch, if, you know, if you're a racer trying to figure out what, what you want to do. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, th- I think they're just badass. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of great, you know, it's, you know, it's not your street sock, but it's not your late model. You know, it's right there, perfect in the middle. Um, you know, it's it's expensive, but it's not quite late model expenses. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot of great shows. Uh, you know, there's plenty of, ra- you feel like every local track now kind of in the, you know, all over the Midwest is running them. So you can, you can go race them pretty much all over the country. And uh, we've got, you know, great competition. I feel like we have more competition in the modified class than we do uh, in late model class. And it's just, it's really tough. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's definitely for a lot of guys that probably can't go late model racing, you know, modifieds is uh, just as good for sure. Um, So there's, uh, you know, we have so many high paying races. Uh, You know, I think Labor Day weekend this, uh, this year, um, I think at Farm City, Fairbury and Spoon River, wherever it is, we have three 10,000 wins in a row. So, I mean, you know, summer nationals is huge. Going to Florida every year is huge. So I think, uh, you know, definitely the modified classes be getting more and more respect every single year. We keep getting all these races. And, uh, you know, I think modified racing is just as big as late models nowadays, uh, you know, especially here in the Midwest. So, uh, you know, uh, I think it attracts a lot of people. We, we tend to put on a, you know, pretty good show. I feel like everywhere we go. And I think uh, the fans are, are more excited for modifieds uh, each and every year. And I think that's why they uh, keep having races for us. What else have you driven besides light models and, and modifieds? I know you mentioned street stocks too. And, and are there other things you're interested in driving? You know, are you interested in any of the open wheel stuff? Are you interested in pavement racing? You know, what, what are you kind of looking at for the future? Yeah. Yeah. I started out in a UMP street stock, ran that for uh, three years and uh, been mod racing ever since and, and just not dabbling into uh, to late model stuff. But um, you know, I, I don't think a whole lot of people, you know, know a lot about me. I'm a huge race fan. You know, I'm a, I'm a big road racing fan, um, big open wheel fan. You know, I'd kill to jump at a midget. Uh, you know, all my buddy, you know, I'm friends with, all, you know, every single USAC guy being out in Indy and they all call me crazy for wanting to get in a, in a non-wing sprint car versus a wing sprint car. I don't think I could do the wing sprint car, but, uh, that, that definitely be cool. Uh, you know, I'm a big, big, uh, road course fan. Like I said, I'd love to, to go test like a pro Mazda or something to kind of do the, the road to Indy thing. Uh, you know, obviously like F1's a pipe dream goal or something, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan. You know, I follow V8 supercars, uh, IndyCar, F1. Um, man, I, I'm a huge motorsports fan, and there's uh, nothing without a steering wheel I probably want to drive. I'll let you get going here pretty quick. I, I want to know, you know, what's a favorite track of yours, and what's a track you haven't been to yet that you want to get to? Man, I, I get asked the, the favorite track thing a lot, and I, I, I really don't have one. Uh, you know, a lot of people kind of expect it to be Fairbury because, uh, you know, I've, I've won a lot of races there, but, um, you know, I, I, I love going anywhere that's new, really. Um, you know, getting to go down to Volusia is a lot of fun. Um, I really am a big fan of Tyler County, West Virginia. Uh, we were able to win that summer national race uh, earlier in the month at Brownstown, Indiana. I really like just, just going to new places. I kind of get tired of uh, kind of seeing the same same tracks every week, you know, driving on the same freeways to, to get there. You know, I, lo- I love venturing out and going any, going somewhere new. You know, this weekend, uh, if we end up going to Cedar Lake, you know, that place looks really fun. I've been there a couple of times, but I've never raced on it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I never really like, uh, you know, kind of a lot of guys just say that they like the next one, where they're going next. So that, that's kind of how I, I approach it. Um, you know, I, there's, they're all round and brown. I, you know, everybody asks me if we go somewhere, oh, how's the racetrack? It's round and brown. So <laughs> just, just another racetrack to me. If we run good, we run good. If we don't, we don't. 
you know, racetracks with good atmospheres are always fun to show, uh, you know, show up to, you know, we went to uh, Clarksville, Tennessee the other week and uh, that was my first time ever there. But, uh, you know, the, the racetrack was okay. It ended up kind of being one lane, kind of kind of do much, but the facility was really cool. It was packed full of fans. Um, you know, we're out in the middle of Tennessee. I've never been there. And, you know, there's fans everywhere buying shirts and stuff. So it's stuff like that that kind of gets me excited. And uh, I really like tracks with good atmospheres. Um, and, yeah, so just kind of kind of the next one, where we're headed next, I'm kind of amped up to hit them all. Uh, I'll let you go on this last question. It's kind of a stupid question, but somebody like me, I've, I've never driven a dirt car before in my life. Um, but the tear off thing. So I was watching a, a, an onboard video with Shannon Babb the other day. And first of all, how do you not grab all of the tear offs at once? And second of all, how come no one uses like the automatic tear off deals? Why is everybody still using the manual tear offs? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, if, uh, if somebody's told you they've never pulled them all off, all, all off at once, they're definitely lying to you. Okay. It happens. Yeah, I feel like uh, it definitely takes some practice, you know, it's, it's, those things are super thin and, uh, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you got to do it as quick as possible. You kind of just got to hit it perfect. So you don't grab them all. So it definitely takes some, uh, some experience to pull those things off. And I feel like people have tried, uh, you know, like the automated ones before, like, like, you know, I know a lot of the dirt bike racers use those, uh, the roll offs, I think they call them like in, in the outdoor series. I'm a big motocross fan as well. So, um, yeah, so I think the roll-offs, I feel like, you know, I feel like sprint car racers have tried it before, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe we're just doing so much mud that I feel like that thing uh, probably doesn't work. But, um, you know, I feel like there's probably, a, you know, I feel like probably 10, 15 years down the road, we'll look back and think, why the heck were we using tear-offs? Somebody's going to come out with something we should have thought of a long time ago. But uh, you know, that's definitely uh, another aspect of the sport. You know, we're always up. I feel like we have one hand on the wheel the whole time and a hand on the helmet, you know, feeling tear-offs the other. So it's, uh, it's definitely entertaining. Yeah, it always blows me away watching you guys. And, and I, I actually had tweeted about this not long ago, watching you know, a sprint car roll down the back stretch. You're like in the middle of a three-wide battle, and a guy reaches up for a tear-off. Like, how oh, are you going to take a hand off the steering wheel right oh, yeah. now? It's definitely an acquired skill, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate the time, Mike, and uh, good luck with the uh, Summer Nationals for the, you know, the rest of that season. And uh, good luck to Cedar, you know, at Cedar Lake this weekend if you head up there. Yeah, thanks, Jess. I'm a big fan of the show. I watch it all the time, so uh, it's an honor to be on here. I appreciate it. Hopefully we get a chance to see Mike this weekend at Cedar Lake for the USA Nationals and check him out at UMP Modified and Late Model Shows for the rest of 2020. You can follow Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike underscore McKinney and check out his website, MikeMcKinney96.com. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit DirtTracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.